When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, I talk with the killer singer of Danger Danger, Ted Poley. We catch up with Ted about what's been going on with Tokyo Motor Fist and Danger Danger. We hear about his influences and lots, lots more. Hey, are you enjoying the podcast? Consider becoming a supporter through Anchor. There's a link in the description below. Also consider donating to Forgotten Fidos and Felines, an animal shelter in Ted's area. There's a link for that in the description as well. And consider donating to your local animal shelter. Also, remember to go over to YouTube and check out me and my buds doing a fun cover of Looks That Kill by the crew. Hey, had a blast talking with Ted. I know he'll get you laughing. Check it out. All right. Well, Ted, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast, man. How are you? Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, hello to everybody. Cool, man. Cool. So you've been out doing some shows with Tokyo Motor Fest. I know you guys have been opening for Ace Freely. How has it been going out there? Oh, that was so much fun. Ace is, of course, one of my heroes, and uh, I got him to sign my, my doll from, from 1978. <laughs> so uh, that was pretty cool. No, he's, that was a blast. We've been kicking ass with uh, Tokyo Motor Fest. It's just been a real surprise sort of coming in at the finish line. We, we did an album a few years ago, to be honest, for the money, and uh, it was a great album, and it charted and it did so well we toured the world with it and then came up with a second out we love it um it's probably one of my favorite things ever it's taken off and it's really cool to have something that's new uh, you know be accepted like that it's a lot of fun these guys are great and if you've ever seen the band live it's amazing a lot of fun steve band is amazing we have jordan canada on drums now of course greg smith band just amazing uh, amazing lineup yeah man Duff, all the music you you guys have put out sounds great how did this pairing with you and Steve Brown come together because it's obviously a really good pairing did you guys know each other from like back in the day or, or what <laughs> thank you you know what's funny when I first got famous back in I don't know like the 1950s <laughs> you know Steve Brown and those guys I grew up in, in Paramus, New Jersey, where those guys are home-based. Okay. And when I first got a deal, and then I think uh, I thought he knew he was on MTV, and then bang, bang, and all the stuff, um, these unsigned, really cute little kids would sit on the floor of my little apartment in Hackensack, New Jersey, and I'd hold court. And it would be Steve Brown and everybody, and they'd be like, oh, man, what's it like to be famous? And I'd be like... I don't know. <laughs> I still got that, that new fame smell. I don't know. But uh, it was great. And then, of course, they took off, and it's just been a lot of fun because I literally know them, I don't know, I want to say 30 years. And uh, working with Steve has been amazing. He's one of the most you know talented guys in the world. Um, he actually subs in Danger Danger, so sometimes I'm his boss, sometimes he's mine. Choking Water Fist. Um, of course, he subs in Death Leopard and... Uh, you know, it's just he's just an amazing talent. He plays in just about every band that tours now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me just tell you something real quick. You're you're kind of cutting in and out. I don't know why. I'm not sure if there's anything that you can do on your end. But like, you're, you're sometimes you're really clear, and then sometimes you sound distant. You know what? That's just me in real life. That's 
what's happening. I'm 60 years old now, and I fade <laughs> in and out. Um, I, it's just, yeah, your connection's a little bit weird. I noticed that like three times, so I don't think we're going to get any better. I okay. think you're calling from some secret location in New York, I think, and I'm in yeah. Pennsylvania, and somehow there's some resistance on the line, but I will try and speak up a little bit. But no, if you see me in person, I actually visually fade just like that. I'm sort of... <laughs> I'm actually, I, I haven't been around for, uh, here, here's the secret, I haven't been around for the last few years. Um, during the pandemic, I took the time to make the Ted Pauly hologram. <laughs> actually interviewing the hologram um, with, with some artificial intelligence, very artificial. And uh, so the hologram sometimes, you know, um, goes in and out a little bit. So if, you, if this was a video, you would see me. So perfect, ahead. perfect. Now, one thing, man, that's for sure is that your voice still sounds great, man. Your voice really hasn't changed. What have you been doing all these years to keep it healthy? Um, I don't know. I warmed up in like 1988, and I'm still warm, thank God. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, you know, you have to sing all the time. Um, it's not something you can let go. I don't smoke cigarettes. Uh, I smoke other things, but let's just say it's not as much as something like that. So I don't know. Um, a lot of training. Um, I'm also a teacher, and I give voice lessons, and I mean, there's no substitute for just exercise. It's a muscle, and your throat is a muscle, larynx, you know, you have to keep it going, and uh, that's what I do. I just love singing. Fortunately, it's the kind of exercise I like to do, because I can sing along to anything, but there's no substitute for that, and thank you so much for the compliment, because at 60, it's not getting any easier, I'll tell you that. With Danger Danger, are there any plans to do anything in the future, any like festival shows or one-offs, anything coming up? You never know. Um, even if it will be a surprise even to me, but it's sort of like um, I have the red danger danger phone in my house, and sometimes when it lights up, I know it's the hotline, and I pick it up, and then there's a trip to Japan. But other than that, um, you know, we're just kind of laying low, doing our own things. We have our own projects and our own lives, but certainly um, if something good came along, I'm sure the guys would uh, ring that hotline. So, uh, you know, I'm standing by, but not necessarily uh, you know, on standby. <laughs> I never stop working. Um, I keep going. I actually support uh, two animal shelters with a lot of my work. Anytime anybody sees me or buys something or does anything, I send something to um, actually in Manta, Ecuador, a city in Ecuador. I try and send money there. I take care of about 400 animals there and also a shelter called Forgotten Felines and Phytos in Pennsylvania. So while we're talking about this, Please, everybody who can hear my holographic voice, um, <laughs> please support your local no-kill animal shelters. That's kind of my thing, and um, I appreciate that, and I have some of the best fans in the world. So thanks for that. I know a lot of you have pets out there, and um, I've got plenty of cats right here. I'm all full up, so thank you for um, your support. And anything you support with me, I try and send a little bit to them always. That's awesome, man. If you go back to the debut, man, being on MTV, touring, everything that happened, you got to have fond memories when you go back to that uh, 1989 debut. Yeah, nothing we can actually discuss here. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there are some memories. Yep, I guess you'll have to wait for the book. But um, it was a time, you know, I thank everybody. I'm still living the dream, and I still thank everybody for letting me do that. Um uh, there's been some people that I've known for that for the whole crazy trip over the years. You're still hanging in there, so thank you. And picking up more people all the time. I see uh, the young kids at the shows, and it's a lot of fun, actually. Um, you know, I love it when, uh, you know, mom and dad come out, but when the kids come out, um, it's a lot of fun now, a whole new generation. Um, I've picked up some, you know, some kids uh, through the Sonic the Hedgehog stuff I've done. Uh -huh. um, 
I've done you know several video games, and um, it's fun. They they all day, all generations come out and they enjoy Uncle Ted. So um, that's been a kind of a breath of fresh air. Uh, I'm singing, and the little kids are enjoying it. And they certainly haven't. Uh, they weren't even conjured up. I'd like to think they were conjured up to one of my ballads. <laughs> and man, you know. Uh... I think Naughty Naughty and Bang Bang are two of the coolest tunes, two of the catchiest tunes to come out of the 80s, man. And those are songs that you still play probably every time you play out, right? Uh, yeah, they're sort of um, necessary, and as long as I do those, people give me permission to do other things. That are okay. <laughs> I've got about 30 albums out there. There's enough material where I could do a, my own sort of Woodstock. I could do a three-day event and just be in several different bands. However, um yeah, you know, I do, I still go back to what people originally fell in love with, um, and more than those songs, it's it's sort of fun. I like to do some deep cuts as well, some album tracks that Danger fans might say, oh, that's pretty cool, stuff mm-hmm. that Danger Danger doesn't even play live that I like to do. Um, and then, of course, some stuff for my solo albums and all sorts of things. I like to rip up a cover or two, and nowadays I'll pull out a guitar and, at the end and just uh, destroy a cover or something else, but it's a lot of fun, so... Yeah, of course, I, I don't forget about what got me here, but then there's a lot of new stuff and a lot of great uh, things to come see if you see me live. I've got an awesome new solo band, and, uh, you know, along with Tokyo Motor Fist and hopefully some more Danger Danger stuff. And, uh, so come on out. There's plenty of opportunities to see me. You just never know, uh, you know, what suit I'll be wearing. When you think back to 1989, I mean, you guys did very well that year. Do you think that overall that year was maybe oversaturated? Because, I mean, you've had you've got you guys, your debut, Warren, Skid Row, Vane, Pretty Boy Floyd. I mean, I could talk for an hour of every band that put out an album. What'd you think? Was there too much in the market that year? Never too much. I wish, I wish <laughs> everybody was doing it now. Um, no, it was great. We came out sort of at the end. It was like about a quarter to grunge when we came out. You know, we had about 15 minutes left, um, and we never got to the ballad, which sort of separates us from the firehouses and the warrants. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that, you know, those guys are, you know, platinum. And, uh, you know, I pretty much mow their lawns. Because so much was the ballads and stuff, I still think about you. I think never really came out. Um, the record companies decided it was time to put on some flannel and grow goatees. You know, they tossed us out like old bathwater right when it came uh, time for the fabulous gifts and prizes. So um, it was great, but we really didn't have as long of a run, you know, as people think. And we did a lot of touring, so we had a lot of exposure. We're at the top of MTV, so, you know, like, again, a lot of exposure. Um, I'm partially exposed right now. A lot of people would like to see that video. You, Mike. But, but really, um, you know, had we uh, been in about a year earlier, it, it would have been just, it's still even more fabulous than it is right now. But um, yeah. no complaints, and certainly uh, it's still, like I say, thanks to everybody. I still get to live my dream and sing those songs and put on some tight pants and run around, and uh, it's a stress test every night. <laughs> every, every, every day when I wake up after a show, I say to myself, well, um, thank you all. That that saves a trip to the doctor. Now you, like I said, I I think you got a great voice. I think your voice is perfect for this kind of music. Now I've I've seen other interviews where you said you started as a drummer, uh, and then you kind of jumped into the singer role for Danger Danger. Who are your singing influences? Uh, you know what? I never really tried to sing like anybody, but some of my heroes are. Uh, I loved Patty Smythe from Scandal. Okay. Uh, I thought she was one of the greatest. I loved her, and of course, you know Steve Perry and you know Lou Graham and. You know, the list goes on. I, I, I a lot of great singers. Steve Walsh from Kansas. Um, I used to listen to a lot of, yes, you know, things like that. But um, 
I don't know. It's whatever comes out. Cut him off, yeah. out regardless of, of who I like. I mean, I loved, you know, Dio, and I loved, you know, things like that, too, and Ozzy, but it, it doesn't come out like that either. So I grew up sort of loving everything, um, from Frampton to Deep Purple to Ozzy to Heart to Kiss, uh, Aerosmith. Yes, I mean, I'm looking around my walls right now, and they're covered in autographed albums of Rush, you know, just, just Led Zeppelin, I'm looking around Black Sabbath, and I don't sound like most of them, <laughs> but right. I'm certainly influenced by a lot of it, um, because it truly was my life. I actually started out on piano when I was about four years old, so my feet still dangling off the bench that I, I played classical, well, I was forced to play classical music, so I wasn't very thrilled with it, but I was exposed very early to music, and uh, finally found my way through the drums, and then finally, here we are. <laughs> I'm actually studying guitar now, so nice. I like to play a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, actually. That's my new love. Uh, it's rekindled. Actually, my passion, I stay up all night. I play guitar. I love to play covers. and uh, I collect, I buy and sell vintage guitars. I'm having a blast with it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just so much fun. So at the end of the set now, um, I, I get to come out. I get to I'll pick up a guitar and just blast something. I'll tell you, I never realized how expensive it was to be a guitar player. The oh, way yeah. the equipment... Um, you know, it's it's not just the amplifiers and the guitars; it's the washers and the dryers. Every time I leave the picks in my pocket, they get the machines <laughs> and they break the machines. So that's sort of new, um, you know. But yeah, so it's sort of expensive being a new guitar player. But I have to just learn to take the picks out of my pockets before I wash my clothes. And that's the secret to being an awesome guitar player with working equipment. <laughs> When you get to the Screw album, I mean, what are your thoughts about this era? Because obviously, we talked about like if you know if we had a magical dial and we could put the debut out in '88 or something like that, you know, maybe if this album came out in '90, probably be a, a lot different of a trajectory. But but was this just poorly timed, or what was going on at the label at this point? Oh my God, you keep dragging me back to the past. I'm trying to live in the now. I'm the hologram. Remember that? That that. The building long ago. Um, okay, so what was the question on that? I I'd like to remember what was going on back then, but everybody who was paying attention probably knows more about it than me. I was busy doing it and right. making sure that I didn't remember a whole lot of it. That was kind of the point at the time, but I never knew I'd have to talk about it 30 years later. Surprise! <laughs> well, I mean, what did you think? I mean, were you aware of kind of the climate while you were making the album? You know, what was going on with grunge and everything like that? Uh, with Screw It, yeah. I mean, Cockroach was sort of in the end. That was closer to Grunge Screw It. Actually, the climate was beautiful. We, 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 literally beautiful because we recorded it in Miami, I believe. So, uh, Florida is a beautiful climate, and there you go. Um, <laughs> but as far as the climate, <laughs> you know, just taking that one literally. Now, later on was Cockroach, which was a really cool album. Um, I mean, the best Danger Danger album is, is uh, Revolve. I thought that was the coolest album ever. If anybody uh, just wants to put on a really cool, not-so-dated-sounding Danger Danger album, I think that's really the coolest one of all. But Revolve was newer. Revolve was right. newer. Now it's like, what, 2009. I mean, it's oh, a new one. one. <laughs> that was like a million years ago. But uh, but really, you know what? That was a great record. Um, I actually accidentally put that on the other day. It came on. I was trying to find one of my songs on YouTube, and something came on. I think it was Fugitive or something. And I thought, wow, what a cool song. I listened to some of that record. Really good. Um, that's a really good album. One more thing about the cockroach, because I didn't, I didn't really understand what was going on at that point. Sometime uh, one of my friends sent me, he's like, oh, you got to hear this. There's a Ted Poley version. There's a Paul Lane version. What do you think of the Paul Lane version of it? I don't even know what that is. 
<laughs> the phone's breaking up again. I don't know what you're saying. Oh, no with, with the okay. So like how cockroach has two versions. There's one with you and there's one with. with no, no, Pauline. no. I heard you. No, no, you're not. No, you're not getting it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm breaking. Oh, you, oh, I got you. You can't hear me. We're breaking up. I got you. <laughs> so let me ask you about Kiss, man. You're a big Kiss fan. One of the cool things, there's a lot of cool connections you have to Kiss, but one was the Unfinished Business, Eric Carr album. And I think that you sound so killer on Just Can't Wait. And that's a cool song anyways. I think I think what people forget about Eric Carr is that he was a really good songwriter. A lot of his songs didn't make it into Kiss. What was that like singing one of his songs? You know what? He was so nice. And I got, you know, I toured with What a good guy. And actually, I didn't get to finish that song until after he had passed away. And I was asked to finish it by his sister. Um, and so I did get to actually co-write a song with him, but he never got to hear it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the coolest things I ever did and one of the saddest things I ever did because I think he would have loved it. Um, he left, uh, you know, the music and, you know, he drummed on that track. And then, um, you know, we finished it up. And and, uh, and thanks for mentioning that one because I do. I, I loved Kiss. That was the reason I got into music. I decided I wanted to do this when the bombs went off at the beginning of uh, Detroit Rock City. Detroit Rock City, boom, bombs went off, changed my life, decided I wanted to do that, and I stuck with it. But um, no, I love him very much. And then, uh, of course, when I was a drummer, I, uh, you know, at the time, you know, I just couldn't get enough. And, of course, um, Eric was super nice to me. And uh, I don't know what else to say. It's just a cool song, and thanks for mentioning. But obviously the only sad thing was that he never got to hear it. And the other thing was, if you listen to the quality of that, what we had to work with, um, I think the tracks were actually on a cassette master. So, you know, they're not as hi-fi as, you know, I, I wish they would be. Um, it, it's a cool song, and thanks. And I did a lot of a lot of work on the vocals and things, and uh, very proud of that one. Yeah, very cool song. Uh, all right, talk about the Revenge Tour. You guys opened up. Any any interesting Kiss tales from uh, that tour? Oh, man, every day is interesting. <laughs> you know, kids, we did Revenge Tour. We did Light in the Shade. We uh, were with them all over the U.S. It was us and Slaughter and Kiss, and then we went to... Uh, where did we go with them? We went to the UK. We were in Wales and Scotland and in England with them. And on their days off, yeah, I mean, we were the only ones to hang out with. So we got to go bowling with them and play laser tag with them. And I got to sight Paul Stanley and shoot him. And that was kind of a high point because there was my hero. And I got to assassinate him with a laser tag gun. And that was kind of awesome. And then, you know, we bowled against Gene Simmons, who bowls like if he breaks it, he buys it and he doesn't care. And he, when he bowls, the ball doesn't even hit the bowling alley till like three quarters of the way down. <laughs> it's just airborne most of the time, sort of like a Fred Flintstone toss, and uh, just lots of fun. And he actually bet us, and we didn't have much money, so we pooled our money with our per diems, and we had we picked one guy. We picked Casey because he was like our big sports guy. We knew he would be like our ringer, and uh, we put him, him up against Gene Simmons, and they played for money, and uh, Casey beat him. <laughs> so there you go. Like, well, Casey, Casey, throw the game, man. We're going to get thrown off the door, he beat him, and I, you know, Gene respected him for that. And there you go. But no, a lot of, a lot of fun. Days off with Kiss is sort of one of those dreams that um, came true. That behind the scenes, not just playing on stage with them, which was the biggest thing, you know, the biggest dream come true. But you know, days off, hanging by hotel pools with Paul Stanley, um, hearing songs about, you know, I mean, hearing stories about when he was in his twenties. Just really cool. That's he'd awesome. say to us, yeah, how old are you? And we'd say, I don't know, about, you know, 25, 26. And he'd say, yeah, you know, I was selling out baseball stadiums when I was 22. He'd say, yes, we know, you're, you're Paul Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. He loved us. He'd bring us their shrimp cocktails after the shows. 
you know, he knew we weren't getting any of our own shrimp, and he was just so nice. To I love Paul. Super cool, man. All right, what is the story, Ted, with this Ted Poley song that's that's set to Unholy? Is there a story behind this? What, what, what is going on with that song? Oh, man, there's a story behind this. Oh, like, man, you're killing me with these stories. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, it was actually written by a guy passed away, a good friend of mine, C.C. Banana. Um, he was a comedian, a good friend, and he wrote the song when he heard the story. Um, real quick, the story is, I was just a little chicken on my first, the first weeks with, with Kiss. I mean, they were my heroes. Paul Stanley was was a hero, and you can imagine that um, I was scared to death to meet him. Um, we were playing big arenas, and as it turned out, the dressing rooms were sort of at each end of a big hallway behind the stage, if you could picture backstage right to left. Um, and I happened to be coming off the stage on the wrong side, so um, I had to walk all the way from the Kiss side down the hallway to the Danger Danger dressing room. Well, when I was doing that, all of a sudden, um, after about, this was about a week in, or about a week and a half in, I had been too chicken to say hello to Paul. I had no idea if he had been watching the shows or what the deal was. And, you know, you know, scared to death. This is my hero. So walking down the hall, all of a sudden, it was off stage Paul, which is even cooler than on stage Paul. Mm -hmm. Cowboy hat Paul. It's like, oh my God, it's like G.I. Joe with an accessory that makes him even super awesome. <laughs> um, so here it comes, like, actually, and you can always smell him coming. He smells really good. Like, you know, just like your pictures. Oh, Paul Stanley. It's like, oh, here he comes. And he's wearing the hat. And he's coming down the hallway. And there was no doubt that I had to pass him because he was coming towards his house. It was in my direction. I had to pass. And there was Danger Danger standing in the dressing room at the other end of the hall watching this happen. And here was my moment because there was no doubt I was going to get to say hello. And he I looked up and here he was and here he was. And I chickened out. I was so scared. I kept walking. I put my head down. Ah. And the whole band saw it. And they just saw me just, just, just blow it. Um, and what happened was at the end, all of a sudden, he turned around at the top of his voice. He sang, Ted Tony, to the tune of Unholy, which was their big song of that tour. And all of a sudden, everyone started laughing and like, he knows you. And I, I turned around, he gave me a big hug. And it was so awesome because he'd been watching and he loved me. As it turned out, I didn't know that, but I, just awesome. He, he signed all this great stuff for me at the end. and Just really cool so he knew my name and to hear my hero uh, sing my name. That was an icebreaker, and uh, that was it, man. It was on, man. I just, I just fell in love even more. And uh, there you go, Paul Stanley, that my is, crush. That is awesome. <laughs> and you know what, man? It really does have a good ring because I find myself like when we, were, I was getting ready for this interview, and I had listened to that, and, and I, I almost wanted to, you know, I chickened out. I should have started the, the call with Ted Poley. You know, I just, just it goes to it very well. That's all I got to say. I used it as my preacher to this day. I love it. I hate the fact that that. Uh, you know, the, the, the writer, you know, CC, my friend, you know, passed away, however, um, as a tribute to him. And just, I love the song. It's really great. It, it's a really good clone of the actual song. It is. Chris Caffrey, actually. I, I forget, somebody, Chris Caffrey might have done the lead on there. I think he got some really heavyweight guys to, to play the tracks. And he actually sang it like Gene Simmons mm -hmm. as an impersonator. And I love it. I use it as my pre-tape, and it gets a psych, and, you know, you come on after that. It's just... We love it, so I still play it every time. Thanks for mentioning that one, and uh, and cool, man. Love you wherever you are, man. Awesome, man. Well, hey, it was great talking with you about all this stuff. Uh, anything you want to say to your fans in closing? No, again, just thank you, everybody. I love you. Please come out to shows. Um, I'm not getting any younger, and <laughs> I want to see y'all. And thank you for supporting your own, you know, low kill, no kill uh, animal shelters. Um, I appreciate that, and I know you're all good people. Thank you very much. Stay safe, everybody, and you rock, Mike. Thank you for this. Thank you. 
Well, that was great talking with Ted. There's tons more stuff on the way. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Rock on!